Well, good morning, church. Whether you're joining us uh, here in the parking lot or uh, on Facebook, we want to thank you for joining us for our Mother's Day worship today. And we have so much to be thankful for. The Lord has given us a, a beautiful day. And uh, it's starting to get a little windy out here, but we're going to do our best uh, to preach the word this morning. And I want to thank our, our Bluegrass Band for being with us today and, and for sharing uh, some good songs that we could, could join in together with. And uh, again, as Matt said, uh, we're hoping to be back together uh, in our, our worship center here in the coming weeks. So we're making do for now. But uh, this morning we're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 2. And uh, we started into the first verse of this chapter last week. And we're going to kind of pick up where we left off and continue on into this chapter. Uh, we talked about last Sunday how Habakkuk was uh, in the watchtower, waiting upon the Lord to uh, respond to him and to tell him what he wanted uh, him to know. And, and so we're going to pick up in that spot today as the Lord responds to Habakkuk in, here in chapter 2. So as we turn our attention to God's Word this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at one of the most powerful statements in all of the Bible. These six words that we're going to look at this morning brought such a radical change within the church 500 years ago that the world has never been the same since. It was this core truth of the Bible that transformed a man named Martin Luther and set him on a course that eventually resulted in what we call today the Protestant Reformation. Now, like so many great men, Luther was not alone in his life's journey. Though he married late in life, uh, his wife Catherine became an integral part of his life and ministry. They had six children together, two of whom died before they reached adulthood, which was not uncommon in that day. And, and Charles Spurgeon tells a particular story about Martin Luther and his wife that I think describes their relationship in such a beautiful way. So I want to share that with you uh, this morning. He says, Martin Luther was a very cheerful man as a rule, but he had terrible fits of depression. He was at one time so depressed that his friends recommended that he go away for a change of air to see if he could get some relief. And so he went away, but when he came home, he was just as miserable as ever and he went into his sitting room, and there he found his wife Catherine sitting there dressed all in black, and all of their children around about her, all of them dressed in black as well. And Martin Luther exclaimed, Oh no, who has died? And she said, Dear husband, surely you've heard God has died, for he must have died or my dear Martin Luther would not be in such a state of mind. Luther burst into a hearty laugh and said, Kate, thou art a wise woman. I have been acting as if God were dead, and I will do so no more. You can take off your black. And church, I'm looking forward to a day when we can exit out of this time of mourning. We come together this morning because we are trusting in the living God. We come together this morning because He is all our hope and stay. We come together this morning because like Jesus' friend Lazarus, we have taken off the grave clothes. 
We come together this morning because we have joy that is of an unspeakable nature that is tied to the eternal truth that we're going to look at this morning in Habakkuk 2. And we're going to look just mainly at verse 4 today and these six powerful words that brought about the Protestant Reformation and changed the world. Of this great truth, Martin Luther himself wrote these words. He said, before these words broke upon my mind, I hated God and I was angry with Him because not content to frighten us sinners by the law and by the miseries of life, God still further increased our torture by His gospel. But when, the Spirit of, but when by the Spirit of God I understood these words, then I felt born again like a new man. I entered through the open doors into the very paradise of God. And church, I pray that on this Mother's Day, we might follow Martin Luther through those same open doors as we hear God's Word spoken through the prophet Habakkuk as he was sitting there waiting in the watchtower. And so I've entitled today's message, A Word from the Watchtower. And I want us to approach this morning this, these six words with three simple questions Three simple questions related to Habakkuk 2.4 this morning. Question number one. As we consider the words, the righteous shall live by faith. The first question that we want to ask this morning is, who are the righteous? As we consider that biblical word, not a word that we use often in our day outside of the church, but as we consider the idea of righteousness, and as he speaks about the righteous living by faith, we have to ask ourselves, first of all, who are the righteous? First of all, I want to tell you who the righteous are not. The righteous are not those who are wrestling and trying to earn their way into God's favor by their works. Now that was the common idea in Martin Luther's day as the, the Catholic Church was the predominant uh, body in that day and the, and the predominant ones that were putting forth the doctrine of the church. They believed in, in, a, in a salvation that came through works. And yet Martin Luther rediscovered the age-old truth that had been laid down from the very beginning that the righteous don't find life through their works. They find life in the faith once for all delivered to the saints. They find life in their faith in Jesus Christ, not in anything that they could accomplish for themselves. And so again, the righteous, they, they, they are not those who are wrestling and trying harder to earn the favor of God by their works because we know that'll never work out. Ephesians 2 says we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works, lest any of us should boast. We could never do enough good works to erase the sin that has separated us from God. That's why Jesus came. And we rejoice in that this morning as we realize that our righteousness is ultimately not our own. It's the righteousness of Christ in which we are clothed. It's the righteousness of Christ that's been imputed to us through His sacrifice at the cross. And so the righteous are not those who are wrestling and trying. Instead, the righteous are those who are resting and trusting in the finished work of Christ at the cross. The righteous are those who are resting and trusting in the finished work of Christ 
at the cross. Jesus has done everything necessary for our salvation. And so we come together as the gathered body, even this morning a little strangely in a, in a parking lot behind windshields, we come together because we're rejoicing in the fact that we are the redeemed people of God, that we are rescued by the grace of God in Christ, that we have been made righteous. In, in the doctrine of justification that Martin Luther rediscovered, the reality is this, in justification God declares us to be righteous because of what Jesus did in our place. That's such a core truth for us as the people of God. We're not trying to work our way toward God. We're not trying to earn our place in heaven. We know that that has already been purchased fully for us when Jesus said from his cross, it is finished. As I've said before, Jesus didn't say, all right, church, now your turn. He said, it's done. It's complete. And we come together rejoicing in the completed work of God. And we're thankful for it. Paul writes of Habakkuk 2.4 in Romans chapter 1. In the key verses to the book of Romans where Paul lays out such a beautiful theology of the gospel and our understanding of salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, in the very beginning of, as he's laying out what the book of Romans is going to be all about, in Romans 1.16 and 17, he says this. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, and he quotes Habakkuk 2.4, The righteous shall live by faith. These six words that describe the power of the gospel to save us. The righteous shall live by faith. And here in the book of Romans, Paul begins to lay out what it means that we have received the righteousness of Christ. What it means that we are no longer wrestling and trying to earn the salvation of God. We are resting and trusting in the salvation that has been purchased for us. That changes everything. I no longer have to try to be good and try to fulfill the law and try to do all of these things to earn the favor of God. It has been given to me freely through what Christ has done. And so I simply respond in gratitude and receive that gift of faith that He has purchased for me. This is worth rejoicing in. So who are the righteous? The second question that we want to ask this morning as we look at this phrase, the righteous shall live by faith. The second question is this, how shall they live? Now the tense of this verse, shall, uh, of this verb shall live is a continual tense. That means it's not a one and done. It's something that's going on and on and on. This is a life that begins and continues into eternity. It never ends. This is a continual living that we have been brought to life through faith in Christ. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins. We have come to life in Christ and that life continues to be a life that's lived by faith. Let me share with you a quote from James Montgomery Boyce as he writes about this particular phrase, these six words that we're looking at this morning. He said, this is a great text. It could even be called the great text of the Bible. To understand this text is to understand the Christian gospel and the Christian life. 
And so as we think about what it means for the righteous to live by faith, let's say this this morning. First of all, what does it not mean? What, how do we not find this life? We, we don't find it. Uh, we don't cry out to Christ by faith and then change course toward a place of self-reliance. We see that so often in the church today that there's a trusting in Christ at the beginning, at the point of salvation, but then it's as if we turn back to a place of works. Well, now I've got to do these things. I've got to take out the checklist. I've got to accomplish these acts in order to maintain my salvation. And yet Paul wrote the book of Galatians to refute that whole idea. He wrote that book of Galatians to remind us that the same way that we are saved is the same way that we must live as the redeemed people of God. That we don't start by faith and then run back to works. That's a false gospel. We end the same way we began. We walk by faith until faith becomes sight when we stand in the presence of God. So we don't cry out to Christ by faith and then change course towards some kind of self-reliance. Even there in Habakkuk 2.4, you'll notice he describes in the first part of that verse the Babylonians. They were a self-reliant people that worshipped their own might, their own power, their own ability to, to pull themselves up by their own spiritual bootstraps, so to speak. But he says that's not how we are. We are those who live by faith. And this continual living, by this continual living, we come to Christ by faith and we continue in Christ by faith. Again, as we've been talking about on Wednesday nights, this phrase in Christ is the summary phrase for the Apostle Paul of the Christian life. This is what it all means. It all boils down to this. To be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ is to be in Christ. To be clothed in His righteousness. To be rejoicing in His finished work. And so as we consider these things this morning, we, we come to Christ by faith and we continue to walk by faith in Christ. We continue to work at our salvation in, with fear and trembling, knowing that he is, it is He who works in us. This is the reality. Galatians chapter 3, as Paul is refuting the false gospel of a gospel of, of faith plus works, as he's saying, no, it's by faith in Christ alone that we are saved. He says in Galatians 3.11, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. He quotes Habakkuk 2.4. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. And so what he's saying is this. If you choose to run back to the law, to run back to your own works, to your own ability to earn your salvation in some way, if you go away from trusting in the finished work of Christ and run back to your own ability to accomplish your salvation, you are departing from the gospel that saves. And he wants to urge us not to depart from this gospel, to keep running back to these six precious words and reminding ourselves again and again that the righteous shall live by faith. So we've talked about who are the righteous. How shall they live this continuous life that leads us into an eternity with Him? And finally, the third question this morning that I want us to consider based upon these six words, is what is faith? 
We use that word all the time in the church. We talk about it all the time. And even our, our culture has no issue with the idea of faith. But our culture tends to put faith in faith. Just believe whatever you want to and believe it earnestly and that will be sufficient. But the Bible says no, it is only the object of faith that matters. It's faith in Christ that makes the difference. Let me share with you a quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, as he preached through the book of Habakkuk, he, he came upon this text here in Habakkuk 2.4, and he said this, Here is the great watershed of life. And all of us, every person on this planet, is on one side of it or the other. Whatever my political or philosophical views may be, they must have this one common denominator Either my life is based on faith or it is not. And so I just want to encourage us today to consider that reality. I think he has nailed it completely. Either our life is based on faith in Jesus Christ or it is not. All of us here, we are trusting in something. I pray that we are trusting in Christ alone. All of us are putting our faith in something. I pray that we are trusting in Him, the One who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead three days later to bring us everlasting, eternal life. So what is this faith? What are we talking about? Well, first of all, let's talk about what it's not. Faith is not assenting mentally to holy ideas while remaining unchanged and unaffected. Let me say that again, because we see this so often in the church today. True biblical saving faith is not assenting mentally, just saying, oh yes, I believe these holy ideas, these biblical truths, while remaining unchanged and unaffected. This faith brings about radical transformation in the lives of those who've received it. This faith can't help but change us. Yes, God receives us just as we are, but in His grace, He refuses to leave us that way. So we begin to be transformed from glory to glory. We begin to experience the, the change that, that Christ brings about in our lives. The Holy Spirit begins to, to bring about in us. We are changed from the inside out by the power of God. Well, so what is this faith? If it's not merely mental assent to, to holy ideas, what is it? Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us the definition. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now what does conviction do? If I have a conviction, I have to act upon it. If I have an assurance, it's going to change my actions. This is not merely mental assent or, or, or speaking uh, faith toward a series of doctrines. This is a deep heart conviction. My heart has been changed. I've been steered in a new direction. And I can't help but live based upon what Christ has done for me. 
It's not enough just to speak the words. It has to change the way that we live. That's the fruit of salvation that we see present in our lives. The writer of Hebrews also takes up this statement from Habakkuk 2.4. I want to share it with you. In Hebrews 10.37, right before he gives the definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1, the writer of Hebrews says, as he's quoting from the Old Testament, for yet a little while... And the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Now what's he talking about? He's saying that we are looking forward by faith, trusting in the one that who died on the cross who said, I'm coming again. That our faith is looking forward to his soon return. And so what he's saying is that we continue to live by faith as we are looking to his return. And church, that's what it means to be the people of God. It is not simply just showing up at church on Sunday morning or, or reading our Bible on a daily basis or, or offering up prayers for those who are sick or, or doing good deeds in the community. That we are those who've been rescued by the finished work of Christ and we are living by faith as we're looking toward His soon return. Now if you take what the writer of Hebrews does here and you compare it with what Habakkuk said there in the Old Testament. Habakkuk was talking about the one that was coming was the fulfillment of the Word of God. That the Word of God was going to be shown to be true. And now we know that the Word of God is fulfilled ultimately in the person of Jesus. He is the living Word. He is the one who fulfills all the promises of God. We are not looking forward to a headline. We are looking forward to the one who is above all the headlines. We're not looking forward just to the removal of the coronavirus. We're looking forward to Christ, the Son of God. We're not looking forward just to this season of separation being done. We're looking forward to the return of our Savior. And we're seeking to be the kind of people who are so heavenly minded, who are so looking forward to the coming kingdom of God that we can actually do some good in this life. That the fruit of this salvation bears forth good works. The good works are not the root of our salvation, but they are the fruit of it. And we rejoice in these things today. And so I would ask us on this Mother's Day, are we resting in the finished work of Christ? Even as we are continuing to work our way through this difficult season, and we don't know how it's all going to work out. But the truth of the matter is, church, we do know how it's all going to work out because He's already told us. He's already given us the end of the story. Our story doesn't end with the coronavirus or this season of separation. Our story ends with the people of God gathered around the throne of God singing praises to the One who stepped out of heaven and stepped into the earth, who took on flesh who experienced all of our infirmities, who even was tempted in every way as we are, and yet He was without sin. And the sinless One went to the cross for us. And the sinless One took upon Himself all of our sin and shame. 
And the sinless one bled and died in our place so that we could be clothed in His perfect righteousness, that we could have standing before the throne of God, that we could be called sons and daughters of the King above all kings. And if that's not worth rejoicing in, then we might as well all go home. We have much to rejoice in as the people of God as we live by faith and we look to the coming One, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And as he says, it's just a little while to his, till his coming, beloved. Some would say, well, it's been 2,000 years since the promise. Where is he? Peter would remind us a thousand years is like a day unto the Lord. He is not bound by time as we are. His coming is soon. And the question is, are we ready to meet him? If you are trusting Christ by faith, you are ready to meet the living God. If you are not, on this Mother's Day, I beckon you to trust Him by faith. To receive the gift of faith that He purchased for you at the cross. He has done everything necessary to wipe away your sins and bring you into a saving relationship with Himself. To make you right with God, that you might have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The question is, will you take Him at His word? Will you trust Him to have completed everything necessary for you to be saved? Will you look to Jesus by faith and live by faith in Him until the day you stand before Him face to face? Grant's going to come and share one final song with us this morning. It's a song we've been trying to introduce over the last couple of weeks. It's called Whatever Comes. It's a song. It's a statement of faith. And I want to encourage you to listen to these words and ask God to well up within you a strong faith for these difficult days. But again, the quality of our faith is its object. Let's look to Christ. Let's live by faith in Him. And let us long for His soon return. Let's pray together, church. Father, we thank You. We thank You for what we have in Christ. We thank You for these six words. The righteous shall live by faith. We thank You that perfect righteousness has been purchased for us through the cross. That we are clothed in the righteousness of our Savior. We thank You that we can now live as a result of this by faith, continually walking by faith and not by sight, trusting You to do for us day by day what we could never do for ourselves. We pray we would, we would turn to no other gospel. And we thank You, Father, that this faith will one day become sight. I pray, Father, increase our longing for Your soon return. And until then, we pray, whatever comes, may we keep looking to Christ, living by faith, and longing to see Him face to face. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.